would not stop. And I call that fight my naked fight because in that fight when I watch it, I see a kid, at this time I was 21, 22, I see a kid who was fighting bare naked. And I say bare naked because I had clothes on, but bare naked because what you see in there is the simple, the soul of that kid. You don't see his skin, you don't see his, his hair, his eyebrows, you don't see the color of his shorts, you see the soul of that kid, and that kid was This is Practically Passion, where we have conversations with those off the beaten path who draw for us the blueprint for how they got there. Let's get ready to rumble! So today we have my boxing coach, and he's not just my boxing coach. He is a world champion and he has many different belts uh, under his belt, I guess you could say. Um, but he is going to come on here and talk about how he has probably overcome more adversity than anyone. And also, we're excited for this one because, as you know, the whole point of this podcast is to bring on people who have done exceptional things in their life and not kind of accepted just the status quo and have found a way to make their own success. And Antoine is no exception to that. And so we are incredibly excited to have him on the podcast today to learn what it's like to be in the boxing world, to learn what it's like to work hard, and also walk away with a little inspiration for our day. 22, two, and one is his record with 16 knockouts. So you can imagine probably the amount of punches that he's taken in his life. And for all you sports fans, I don't know how many boxing fans we've got listening to on the podcast, but he's drawn comparisons to uh, great fighters such as Sugar Ray Leonard. And I'm not going to lie, I have a little bit of uh, PTSD going into this the conversation because all I can think of is him, his, is him kicking my ass in boxing. But luckily, I'm safe behind a computer here and he can't do that. So with that being said, Antoine... Welcome, man. Here we go. Uh, your record is scary, dude, with uh, 22 wins, <laughs> uh, 16 of which I believe were knockouts, right? 16? Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, with multiple world titles, such as WBA International Middleweight, WBA Free, I don't even know how to pronounce this. Yeah, you Fed- can tell <laughs> <by doesn't> fight. <laughs> Fed- 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 Latin, I think. Feta Latin middle middleweight, WO International middleweight, uh, NABA middleweight, and the WBC uh, Fakar yeah. Box middleweight title. Um, of all titles, is there a particular one that you're most proud of? Uh, I would say my the interim belt, which, if I'm not mistaken, is my WBO one. I could be wrong though. I never really kept track. There's so many commissions, commissioning bodies, and so many belts, and that's kind of hard to keep track of. But uh. When you it when was, you win so much, it's hard to keep track of them. Isn't yeah, it? you know it's like, uh, <laughs> but I think this one because this fight I fought now in my training camp. This one, uh, this one, aside from my other fight, which I call my greatest accomplishment, which was a fight that I lost. I'll tell you guys about that one later. But this fight was great because I could feel how great I was in the fight. Now, when in my training camp, my ab was popping out. I was uh, I was doing so much ad work that my ab had popped out out of place, so I had to wrap it during training camp to keep it in place. And every now and then when I would exert for a punch, it would pop out of place. And it began to get better and better towards the fight. And at the fight, I remember the guy hit me good. And my coaches, nobody else knows, he hit me good the first round. And I'm like, okay. I think I told my coach, uh, yeah, he called me good. 
Then as I hit him good the second round, boom, I hit him good. I throw a hook and my ab popped out. But it popped right back in. And uh, that fight, I knocked the guy out in the third round. And I just felt so great that fight. I felt so I felt so in shape. I feel like I couldn't be touched that fight. Yo, abs pop out. <laughs> I didn't know that. It was it was it, it was it, it was in the abdomen section and something was popping out and then popping back in. And I'm like, you know, what the it, it was hurting. It was like trying to shove something through a tight quarter corridor and it suctioned back in. It was like that. So yeah, it was it was painful, man. Jesus. I get like a splinter and I'm like in <laughs> agony. <laughs> <laughs> With, so what did that training camp look like? You mentioned you did a lot of ab work. Like, but, you know, put us in that room right now. What What so are some that, of the things you'd be, you know, walking us through? That training camp consisted of usually being up by 5 or 6 a.m. to drive way to Bethesda from Burke, Virginia, which is Fairfax County, for uh, a workout, an hour, one hour, two hour workout, which was the mental session. Now, this was mental because it wasn't the usual hoorah-rah, muscle, lifting, and punching exercise. It was mental workouts that made us work our brain muscles. We had to do certain number activities, certain color activities. We were working both sides of the brain, the muscle function, and also the processing function, which makes great fighters. So that would be five in the morning. We would go home, maybe get breakfast, maybe just rest. And then there was maybe a jog in between that. Now, around, we were resting, there was lunch. We might wake up, play video games, whatever bull crap around then from there we go to the gym at night which was 5 30 now that was like a three to four hour workout now this might consist of another run or some wind sprints we might have to sprint up and down the hill carrying a 25 pound medicine ball uh after we do that or we may do a seven mile eight mile run get back to the gym now we might have sparring we might have bag work we might have jump rope, or we might have stations, which is a routine I put Alex through. Oh, I know, I know stations. <laughs> so, so, but we did this like on steroids. So, you guys, what I do at the gym is one set of stations. At the gym, we worked. We did a stations for minutes, then we did stations again for thirty seconds. Then we might have did it again for ten seconds. So it was just very like mental, phys- physical, mental, and painful. You know, just going through the workouts, but you knew what you were doing it for. So in this state of mind, being outside, I can see how physically and mentally disturbing it might have been. But when you're in it, you're just doing it, you're driving, you know what you're doing it for. So it just feels great, man. But uh, the pain is memorable, man. So that's, yeah. And so you got to walk me back here. I mean, when literally boxing is punching each other in the face, I mean, there's a lot more (laughs) to it, right? But yeah, I mean, why, why subject yourself to that pain? Well, for me, it was, uh, it just came, I feel like it was just through the guise of my life. If life was a forest, this was a pathway I had to cross. This was so a fork in the road that I had yeah. to cross. Let's start, so, let's start at the beginning here. Yeah. What? So, so uh, uh, I was a prematurely born crack baby. Uh, at, 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 at birth, the doctors were telling my mom, I wouldn't fully function as a human being. I was practically almost born dead. I wouldn't fully function. My stomach lining wasn't fully in. I was an inky binky baby. Uh, and at this point, you know, my mom, I can imagine in her mind, she think, you know what, I gave birth to this child who, you know, may not survive. And in a sense, it was a throwaway child. You get what I'm saying? So, and I know mentally she wasn't thinking that way, but, you know, my mom was young at the time and she was doing her own thing. And she was also suffering from the trials and tribulation that she was going through in life. And also not being well enough to take care of my three older siblings. 
there's this other kid on top of that who was not just a normal kid. He's going to be, you know, cause a lot of turmoil because he can't even fully function properly. So my earliest memory or my earliest being or existence, the essence was to fight, of fighting, of that nature, uh, fighting and surviving. So when I related back to boxing, I felt like it just only suited because that was the nature of my life. The environment of my life was survival and fighting. So uh got led to boxing. So we got into boxing through a foster parent who's my mother's first cousin, myself and my brother. And we got into boxing because we were getting in trouble in school. We had no discipline and we were fighting each other in the house. We were throwing scissors at each other, throwing knives at each other. God, you know, God forbid we didn't, you know, we didn't hurt each other, kill each other. So uh, we were put into boxing strictly as a form of discipline first, but also because the guy who had adopted us knew our mother could fight. So we knew we could fight. He knew we were fighters. He knew it was in our DNA. And uh, I was the kid of the three who was the least talented, the slowest, and not the strongest. But of the three, I had the biggest heart. I would work the hardest. Uh, and I was also very disciplined. So with that, my brother didn't make it all the way I made it. My sister, she made it some way, but in female boxing, you know, you can never, it'll never be as big as male boxing. And I was a kid who just worked hard. And it was just in my mentality to work hard and fight for what I needed to scratch and claw and survive to get to that extra piece. So that just also, it, the energy just transferred over from the natural aspect of what I had to do in my life before I even mentally knew what was going on to then the career that I fell into that didn't just happen to, embellish over so that then it was just the atmosphere of my life and I accepted that atmosphere I didn't push away from it I said you know what this battle is for me I'm gonna you know step up to the I'm a total line and take on this battle and I did it and the ironically boxing was never a dream of mine that's the funny part I tell people I'm like you know boxing was never a dream of mine a dream of mine was just to, you know be comfort be successful and be as great a human as I can you know, whether it be motivating people or seeing people be creative, just putting a smile on somebody's face. But uh, the atmosphere that I grew up in, I feel like made me that fighter. And the fact that I was able to understand it and capture it and, you know, be willing and mentally strong enough to want to fight and go for it made me that much tough for a fighter. You know, everybody can be a fighter. Some people are fighters, but some aren't that tough. And uh, just me knowing, okay, I always look back in my life and I say, man, they're like, well, Antoine, what about this? What about that? So, man, if anything was going to hold me back, uh, slow me down, put any detainment on me, it would have happened already. Of what I've been through in my life, it would have happened already. Nothing could stop me. And I said, if anybody knows Antoine, you can ask anybody who knows me. They'll tell you, if you threw Antoine in the jungle, he'll come out leading the pack. Whether it was a pack of wolves, gorillas, it does not matter. He'll, he's going to survive. So people know that about me, man. And, uh, also, the motivational aspect of myself and always being able to share my story. That's why I love sharing my story. It's actually, I find it weird when people don't want to share their stories. Your stories are your stories because they're empowering. Your stories, you share with someone else, you can change or uplift their day. And that's why I love to be on this podcast. I love, you know, you know how my, you know how I talk in class, man. I'm all about making everybody great, man. And look, man, you think it's hard. Life is a lot harder. So, you know, do that goddamn burpee. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> you know, I mean, and I guess when you just said, you know, you were throwing scissors at your brother, I, I find that so hard to believe because I know you in class yeah. as that disciplined person yeah. who's like not letting people cheat themselves. Like, yeah. come on, like, you'll go up and you see some people, someone yeah. slacking. You're like, 
I know you got more than that. Like, yeah, you don't, yeah I don't know, define yourself. And so yeah. I guess, you know, back in those years to how you are now, like I can only imagine there's a mental shift that's occurred. Com- so completely, can, man. Com- can you kind of, yeah, walk us through that so, evolution? There was a time uh, before I got adopted to the, uh, the, to the, the complete fosters of us, we were, uh, we were at another family. Now at this point we're foster kids and my earliest memory was being dropped off at my aunt's house and something that seemed to be a clothing basket or a box or something with cloth to keep this off. I was a baby. And uh, that's my earliest memory. Maybe it's a dream. Maybe it's something that I made up, but that's my earliest memory being dropped off there. And I was the youngest at the time of my siblings. There was Devon, the oldest, Tyresha. The second oldest was a female. And Ronte, my oldest brother, immediately. And then there was me. And uh, my aunt, she had two other children. So we go there, and we're life is full of neglect and hatred. Uh, we would not get the the immediate meal from McDonald's. We would have to eat the leftovers that our aunt might have been bitten out of with her braces in her slimy mouth, which is gross. So uh, we lived through that. And then at this time, we have no discipline. I'm at the age of five. I'm the youngest. At this point, we're running the streets till 12 o'clock. These are a bunch of kids running the streets, riding our bikes, going on construction sites, destroying anything we could to destroy stealing from the corner stores because it was all so convenient because we might have been hungry or also because it might just it might have just been fun we had no discipline to know what was fun or what was wrong or not so we go from there and then we go to foster care now in my mind i don't know what's going on it's all fun it's just being a child to me but when i get under when i when i get older i understand that this was all a result of the neglect and love that i was not being shown so uh, we go to foster care, and then we're in a foster home where we're the youngest of a bunch of older guys who were in the group home. And uh, we're getting bullied by them. We say words like suck my D and F you and lick my B. And we can't, I can't spell any of these words. I remember vividly saying a word, and he's like, the counselor is like, okay, come spell that word. And I could not spell it. I, it was balls. Suck my balls. And I, he put the paper, and I could not spell I put B O S S. And I could not spell these words very uneducated. And it was not to the point where I got to the, uh, to the final family, my mother's first cousin, Patrick, he had adopted my brother, myself, and I. And at this point, we had been through the other family. We were neglected and all. So and they tried to discipline us, but they didn't have that immediate connection because we did not respect them. They were a bunch of nobodies. You guys were, you know, you guys are not our immediate family. How can we respect us? You don't know us, and we don't know or care about you. You can whip us all you want. You know, who are you? And uh, this guy was related to family, so I guess there was a sense of respect here. Now, when we got there, we learned discipline the hallway by getting hit upside the head or getting spanking. But through this, I then realized what being different or being good was. And I then began to realize what being bad and being good was. Before it was fun. Now there was a repercussion after it. And now there was also a reward after being good. So in elementary school, I wasn't doing great. When I got to middle school, I began to get A's and B's. And when I began to get A's and B's, I would be gifted by going to the mall and being able to pick up clothes that I wanted or being able to get the latest video game. I was a heavy nerd, and uh, that was how I was rewarded. And I realized, okay, you know, being being good isn't that hard. Just shut up in class and do my work, you know, and I'll get a good grade, and that's that. And then I began to enjoy it. I began to enjoy the rewards and the energy that surrounded me. The energy of it was just a different energy that I could accept more where it wasn't just going through life and doing what I wanted, where it was just myself. Uh so from there, I then went to high school, the same thing. And then I got to a point, I think I was 16 or 17, feeling one 
actually it was early. It was 14 or 15. Feeling and wanting to understand life because I knew I wanted a family and I knew I never wanted my child to go through what I went through. And I was good. I was educated. I was smart enough to understand these things or at least try to see for it. And uh, I began to be introduced to people through different aspects of life or different assets who knew things a different way, whether it was a preacher, a teacher, uh, a musician or whatever. And they gave me their ideas or their thoughts or their knowledge. And I was able to understand things a little better, although I came from a different upbringing. And it just made me want to want to thrive and be better and be great more opposed to what I was before. Uh, so at this time, it was just me and the idea that I had for my future. My family and stuff were still around, but my family got to a point where they thought that I thought I was better than them because I wouldn't speak much. That was a point of my, a time in my life where I would be in my room or in any room I was at with the laptop playing either World of Warcraft, some MMO game with a metal rock playing loud in my ear and just not talking to anybody. And they would always say, oh, he don't talk to nobody this and that. And I was always the quiet one. So I then, I guess I would call it growth. I then grew into the man that I wanted to become. And in the society that I've grown up in, and I'm not the only one, there are many of myself, you're, you're, you're forced to have to take on that toe early on in life to become a man. And at this time, I was also... With the foster home I was at, that had been broken up too. The husband and wife had got divorced. The cousin had got divorced with his aunt. So this was another thing that was going on. But even then, still, I understand who I wanted to be and how those things would not affect me or how I would let them affect me. And it did not because I always looked towards the future of who and what I wanted to be and what I could do and not do or what I wanted to do. And I also, I began to create a theory in my mind. We all start here. This is ground level. The good things I do or would consider good, I'm climbing the ladder to the top. The things that I would consider bad or inhumane digs me deeper. Now, usually the person who was dug deep enough, they want to get to the top. How am I so far down behind? Why can't I be with this person as well? Imagine if you did all these bad things, you've got to dig your way up to get back to surface level first before you can even start climbing to the top. So that's the way I saw things. And I would always just live in that aspect and always be and do things what I would consider humanely. Humanely respect. If you're human, no matter what color, creed you are, or religion, I'm going to respect you humanely first, and hopefully you respect me the same way. And that was just growth in life and mentality, and I just you know became this, uh, I guess, as I would like to call it, some would say, a beautiful person where, a beautiful person where my, I, I can share that energy now. So that, yeah, that, it was a complete switch in mindset from what I was before and what I was now. And it was I was so lost back then when me and my brother were fighting and throwing knives and scissors at each other. I can't even fathom what was going through my mind at those points. Because I can just only think. I'm pretty sure we were having fun. We had no idea what was going on, but it was fun to us. There was holes in the walls and stuff. And we got home and got our asses whipped. But, you know, it was all fun to us. There was no, you know, I guess I could say no discipline or no concept, even what that was in the faintest. Because it was all fun. There was no, you know, actual idea or goal in doing what we were doing so yeah it was this complete flip and even to this day i still live every day and trying to understand life and understand people and you know if i can i can if not then you know i wish you the best how that's just kind of i'm like a little jaw drop moment to digest that but you're 
14, 15 years old and having these self-awareness moments of, man, I want to become a better individual. Yeah. About the possibility of your child and the person you want to be for them. Yeah. How are you that selfless at that point when you're just fighting and scrapping just to get to even kill like you're saying? I I just, I look at life is a bigger picture to me, man. It's never about me. I'm the guy that the homeless guy, you might give dollars on the street and he'll say, hey, come get a meal with me to spend it with the money you just gave him. I'm that guy that if I'm walking from the club and we just had some drinks and my buddies are all gone, I'm going to run back to the homeless guy and give him some money. I've just always been that guy because I believe in the energy you put out is what you get in. And also I understand and I learned this uh, from my mom. And my mom is probably has probably the biggest impact when she was there the least in my life. She has the biggest impact. And my mom, I call her my hero. I tell her all the time, I say, Mom, you're my hero. And I tell her this because growing up, there's not been a person I don't know that has called my mom, that's called, that's told me to my face, my mom, your mom's a crackhead. There's not a person in my life that has told me, hasn't told me to my face, your mom is a bad person. She's a B word and everything else. Now, growing up, I began to, this was at the age of 14, 15, 16. And also when I was really getting back reintroduced with my mom, and ain't being able to see her on my own. I'm, you know, a young man now. And me seeing the things she was going through, it took for me to learn and understand things. And I've shared this, pe- this story with a lot of people and it has touched them so much where they went in contact with their person. They've learned differently. So I was at a point where I realized, you know, life isn't always about myself. And it was to the selfless note, a uh, 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 tune to the selfless note here. I always looked at my friends and people I boxed with and everybody who I was around who had a mom and dad, they loved me. Their parents, oh my God. He's such a great child. Antoine, you want to come over to my house? They all called me son. I got a million moms all over the world. People who might have known me from boxing, boxing mom, godmother, mom, you know, all over the place. And I, because of the human I was, and I realized, you know, I would always think, man, why could my mom, why, why could my mom not be that mom? Why is my mom not? And when I begin to learn and dig deep and talk to my dad, who was also a wonderful person, and I, you know, I, I, I just think, the higher power, whatever it may be, that my mom is my mom is my dad is my dad, because I don't know who I would be without them. Two, those two people, and realized, you know what? My mom went through some things that made her who she was. She went through some things where people did not have the capacity to understand or mentally think of, try to try to understand the concept of what she was going through to show her the love that she needed to be shown. And I realized all my life, I told myself I wanted to be different, and that's where it came to the story of. My child, I want to be different. I want to. I want my child not to have to go through what I went through and everything else. The complete soul word you can put behind that was just different. So, and I was like, okay, if I don't give my mom the love that she may need because she couldn't give it to me, how am I different from everybody else that turned their back on her? My mom didn't know how to love me because nobody loved her the way she needed to be loved. And now I have older brothers and sisters who even to this day not understand that either. I was the only one to fully understand that. And I was like, you know what? Life, I always was like, man, you know, life is a bigger picture. Tucks, were you? I was always like, life is a bigger picture. The little picture is me being selfish and saying, why is my mom not my mom for me? It's all about me. The bigger picture is, okay, my mom could not be that lady. So who can I be to her? I tell my friends all the time. For me, I don't really consider friendship. I call it family. Once we're friends, we're family because... And I know a couple of guys like this. I say, man, if we bump heads, I still got your back. 
whether you believe it or not, whether you know it or not, if we are out and something happens, I feel responsible because that's just the soul, the heart of me. I am. I, I, I want to be that shelter that I did not receive myself because I know what it's like to not receive that. And just, I don't know, just made me a, just, I guess, a completely selfless person in, a, in all aspects and just living and trying to understand life in the bigger picture and just the scheme of things. And it's also led me to be in bad situations sometimes where I'm lending somebody this or I'm helping somebody with this and that. And, you know, it flips out on me that, you know, it's bad, but I just, I take it all with a grain of salt and I keep on learning, man. That's all it is. So just learning, listening and gathering and the energy, man. And I'm always able to smile, I guess, too. So that helps out. So, I mean, oh, my, just so many mic drops, you know, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> Your success as a fighter is making a little bit more sense now. And, and yeah, you know, yeah. to, to quote one of the greats here, uh, and I'm sure you've heard this a thousand times, it ain't about how hard you can get hit. Or so it's not, sorry, it's not, I, I must, you know, I'll let you tell the quote. Yeah. <laughs> it ain't about how hard you can get hit. It's about how you can get hit and keep going. I think that's what he says, if I'm not mistaken. A good one by Rocky Balboa. So Rocky what, Balboa, some yeah. of those, what are some of those biggest defining moments for you when you could have easily given up um, and fallen back to mediocrity, mediocrity when you're, you know, during these fights? Mm, let's see. And it's, it's funny. And I, actually, I'll tell you, I'll go straight to my, uh, I would say my biggest accomplishment, what I consider. Some people may think different. The fight that I lost now, this fight is so impactful because the full scenery the full thing was just completely lopsided now in the usual fight you spend eight weeks two months you got to notice eight weeks to get ready for an opponent now, i've spent seven weeks getting ready for one opponent and that eighth week my opponent gets switched and my opponent just doesn't get switched to anybody my opponent gets switched to a russian guy who nobody wanted to fight my team cannot find any info on now, I'm going to fast forward real quick. So this guy is spending time in jail now. He got what is called the RICO. He was in the Russian syndicate, the Russian mafia, the mob, the syndicate, however you want to call it. He was the lead bodyguard for the leader of the Russian mafia syndicate between Russia and New York, the cartel. And uh, he got locked up. The RICO, murder for hire, racketeering, casino hack, and narcotics. Now... I never got paperwork back that this guy was on steroids, but you tell me, was this guy on steroids? Now, I've sparred with greats. I've sparred with heavyweights. I've sparred with Andre Ward before and prior to, you know, prior and after this fight. So I've been hit kind of hard. Till this day, I don't remember the fight. I have faintest memories now because I watched the fight. Thank you to Showtime. They sent me the video. They sent me all my DVDs. But till this day, I don't remember that fight mentally on my own. The earliest memory memory I had from that fight was either the first or second round. I can't remember too vividly. And I remember thinking to myself, I got hit, boom. And I could feel my brain shaking in my skull. I said, man, if I get hit with too many more of these shots, I'm not going to remember anything. That was the one first memory. Second memory, I get up off the mat. I'm wiping blood off my eye. Third memory, the ref is waving it off. In my mind, it's the fifth round. Come to find out, it's the final round. It's the tenth round. Now, I go home. And my phone is blowing up after a fight, which it usually is. I got alerts everywhere, yada, yada, yada. But I go, I have to go to the hospital. They put me in an IV. They take me on a stretcher. Uh, I have to, I take a year off. Uh, I had a severe concussion. I had blood on the outer layer of my skull. And now this guy, he wins the fight naturally. And I continue my career on from that. Now, 
I say this because, and this wasn't a, this wasn't a point. I, I bring this fight because this wasn't a point where naturally I could have easily quit my career. We had to go to court maybe no less than five times with the commission for them to allow me to box again. That's how bad the fight was. And uh, I had in my emails on Facebook, Instagram, people from all over the world telling me, Antoine, you're my hero. Antoine, I had the guy with the cockiest guys I knew. Bro, Antoine, you're the realest. You're my hero. And in my mind, I'm like, you know, you know, what are you guys talking about? I don't know. They were like, bro, you would not stop. And I call that fight my naked fight because in that fight, when I watch it, I see a kid. At this time, I was 21, 22. I see a kid who was fighting bare naked. And I say bare naked because I had clothes on, but bare naked because what you see in there is the simple, the soul of that kid. You don't see his skin. You don't see his, his hair, his eyebrows. You don't see the color of his shorts. You see the soul of that kid, and that kid was a fighter. I watched myself, and I'm proud of myself in that fight as if it's not me. I see the soul of myself as a kid that's just not going to stop fighting. People to this day, they make fun. They're like, yeah, man, you was going. They say, man, the ref was waving. You was still punching. And I love that fight because the world got to see who I truly was. Who I truly truly was in that fight. And then after that, I continued my career with the fact that, you know, a severe concussion is severe, especially when you got blood on the outer layer of your skull. So I would say that's a point where I could have easily quit. But my mindset, I, I, don't, I don't think I have quit in me, man. I just, yeah, I don't think I had it in me because, like I say, what kept me through that fight was not the fact that I knew I was getting up, was just the fact that my spirit and my soul kept getting up. And, I, you know, I don't, you know, I don't remember getting up. I don't remember this and that. But, you know, I got dropped, I think, three times that fight. But I only remember getting up one time. And how do you handle that? Like seven weeks in, you're prepping for one guy. And all of us, obviously, like in life, work, career, we prep for one thing. Yeah. It goes sideways. Now we got a week to adjust. How yeah. are you feeling? Like, be, and be realistic. Are you scared? You're No, no, no. So, and, 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 I'll, and I'll tell you, so, and just like Mike Tyson would say, uh, some fighters won't admit it, but before every fight, usually a fighter is scared. I would tell people, every fight I fought, I was scared. But the closer I got to the ring, the less fear was in my heart. The closer I got to the ring, the less fear was in my heart. I called myself a little bit crazy when I was fighting because I would be talking to myself in the locker room. I didn't want to be touched. My head was down. Don't touch me. Leave me alone. Uh, this is not Antoine that's talking right now. This is, you know, fighter Antoine. I'm in, like, you know, demon mode a little bit. And uh, I don't want to be touched. And I'm, you know, I'm talking to myself, calling myself bad words like, don't be a punk. Don't be, a, a you know, a stupid mother. Don't be a pussy, yada, yada, yada. And I'm just telling these things to myself to mentally build that fortitude for myself and get ready to go in there to take on another man. And every step closer I get to the ring, it goes away. I get up in the ring, oh, yeah, it's showtime. My people are watching. Everybody's watching. It's just me and you. And I know you want to kill me, so I got to kill you first. So that was the mindset. But in the fight, in the in the, in the training camp, so when you're a fighter, you train, your job is to make money fighting. If you don't fight, you don't make that money. Now, we all want to do what we do for the money. And also, because you have love for it. Boxing was not my dream, but I had love for the sport. I had respect for the sport, for what it presented me with. It got me a nice body, got me educated, got me uh, the position I'm in now, and then it just surrounded me around people who I feel like I could impact or they can impact me, and also discipline. So I love the sport for that itself, and within itself. So I trained for eight weeks. And there's a week out now. It's a week out. I can say, okay, no, let's postpone the fight. Let's do this. But I'm already starving myself for seven weeks. I'm already, you know, neglecting myself sex 
for seven weeks. I'm already neglecting these things. I want to fight, man. I want to kick. Somebody's got to pay. I'm going to kick somebody's butt. I've been working all this time. I'm ready. Get whoever you need, and I'm ready. And I was ready, but I just that guy just had the upper nod that day for whatever, you know. GC might have had whatever, but, you know, I still feel like, man, that of all my fights, my greatest accomplishment was that fight, man. You you make me feel so guilty for whenever you turn around <laughs> in boxing class and and I while you're watching I pretend to be working hard and then you turn around <laughs> like, all right I can chill now I just I just got this wave of guilt overcoming nah, me. you you good I mean, man. It's, and it's it's a different ball game because like I said you you guys I I was boxing since nine ten years old and also from that I was a fight before then I was a fighter so there's an essence in me that I am trying to put into you guys so you guys can at least understand. You get what I'm saying? So when you have that heart, that hard ball that's coming your way, you can man up to the fucking mat and, and hit it hard when you it's need those to. those push-ups. It's those push-ups <laughs> coming out of the hole. That's, that's the hard one. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> so uh, that's all. It's just for me, it's just, uh, it's just a, 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 I guess it's uh, I guess we, a different coding of life, a different environment of life that you and I both live in. You get what I'm saying? And it's the point where, you know, you have it in you too, but you just don't have that extra push that I was born into. I was born into the extra push I needed. You're now being taught that extra push, okay? And, and, and it's been fed to you in a different way also. It's not being forced. It's like, okay, look, I want you to believe you got it to you. It's making you dig deep, you know? So I guess that would be the difference there. So what's next for you, man? I mean, like, it's so much. I mean, incredible fights. I mean, living, living the dream. I, I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm glad that, uh, glad that you kept your shirt on during that fight because, uh, you know, I, I would not be thinking about myself. But, I mean, what's next for you, man? Uh, for me, I'm right now, I'm, uh, I, like I said, I've made great connections. I uh, met a wonderful lady uh, named Kate Kamiski, and she's, like, you know, been sending me ways and re- introducing me to uh, avenues that I would have never been able to reach out and find myself. At least I don't feel like uh, she is like helping me. She's like teaching me and also helping me how to get my brand off and like how to build and how to become what I want to become with the energy. And she's like, you know, you have this thing, Antoine, where when people see you, when they talk to you, it's embracing, it's capturing. When you share your story, she's like, I want to introduce you to people so you can share their story, share your story and you can capture them and you can, they can, you can have that same impact that you've had on me and uh, she's like helping me build my brand so right now i'm working on a clothing brand so you're definitely gonna you guys are gonna definitely gonna get t-shirts i'm working on the, uh, a clothing brand which i should have i guess i waited too long but yeah what's the name what's the name of the company uh, uh, action action pack so it's like it's like action pack but also pack so it's like pack the pack of wolves or the definition of a group of people with a similar idea or you know agreement and a pact as in the agreement. So the pact to be great or a pack of people who are into be great. So it's action packed, but also with the cat end. So I'll show you uh, images of the logo when you got time. And uh, I'm working on I got to actually, if you guys didn't know any graphic designers, make sure you, you know, let me know, shoot them my way. And uh, I got that. And I'm also, I was just telling the guy earlier at the gym before I left to come home, I want to be the Billy Blanks of boxing fitness workouts. You guys know who Billy Blanks is? I have no idea. Oh, I just God. know so, Street Fighter, the video games. <laughs> <laughs> no, so so Billy Billy Blanks is was a tall, bald, muscular, strong black guy, and in the early nineties, in late nineties, all the ladies were buying his workout tapes and putting them in a video cassette, 
and watching him and working out to him. He was that guy. And I'm pretty sure he made millions. But uh, I'm going to start first by hosting boxing fitness boot camps and then go from there. So I'm working on that now as well as the clothing brand and also a book myself I'm trying to work on. So just uh, a bunch of things here and there. And I've, uh, I listen to the guy. I can't think of his name. There's the, the Caucasian guy who always talks about business and motivation. And Gary V. Gary V. <laughs> That, that guy, he's like, you know, so Gary V. And uh, before, usually, I was a grab one horse and ride the saddle to the reels run off until you get to the next stop or until you get to another horse. But now I'm, I'm more, I'd rather juggle three eggs at once and one drop. At least I still got, you know, so I'm more in that aspect now. And uh, just that, like I said, but I love what I do. And uh, people have always been asking me since I've taught them or, Anybody I've told before, man, when are you going to open your own gym? So that's also a goal, too. But I just got to find the right ways to do it. And I'm also learning. But I also want to be, I don't want to be the, I can't see myself as an owner of a gym not being there. I'm going to be the guy who owns the gym, but also teaching the class because I know the energy that I bring and I put into it, I feel like I need. And it's actually, uh, there's a member at the gym, short Asian guy. I think his name is Ben. I can never get his name. I don't want to say it wrong. Is but, it uh, Danny? No, 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 no. And he he told me one time, and it's like really sits with me well because I'm always, you know, I'm a, I grew up all about comic books, Justice League, and Avengers, everything, yada yada, Marvel comics. So I was big in the superhero community, like you know, I was like big into you know reading comics and knowing who these superhero was, and I took that aspect and I always related it to life. Uh, if there, if you have the power and you you have you can will it, you should do it. It's only humane. If there's an old lady walking across the street, if I can't help her, I should help her. It's it's only humane to do such a thing. You know what I'm saying? For me to not help her would be inhumane. Uh, and for me, that is something that I would consider normal. So he was telling me, he's like, man, you know what, man? I think I asked him. I was like, why? How'd you join the gym? Or why'd you join the gym? And he's like, man, you know, I was walking by one time and I just came in. He was like, I was like, what made you come in? He's like, I went to my doctor. My doctor said I was overweight and he was telling me, he's like, yeah, my dad has a smoking problem or a drinking problem or something. He's like, he's, he's like, the doctor says he sees that same thing in me or something where I'm going downhill. It's not looking good. And he's like, I started coming to class. And he's like, the first class I took was you. And this was 2018. He's like, man, I got 30 pounds down. My doctor, my doctor, I went to the doctor. My doctor's like, wow, you're like, you made a complete change. And he was like, you know what, that's why you changed my life. And I was like, you know what? Changing lives, one workout at a time. One, one class a day, changing lives. I'm like, you know what, let's, like, that, that's very impactful to me. Because if you can have a bad day or you can have a great day, and you can come into the gym and I can make your day better or good or relieve whatever you've been going through and make you happier, put a smile on your face, oh, I feel great. I feel like a superhero. Put a cape on my back, you know? So I just, I just love what I do, and I love putting that energy out to the world, man. So where can people sign up for your class and how can they find your, your shirts? Uh, so I'm still working on the shirts now and I'm also working on the boot camp now. But okay. uh, if anything, you can follow me at action, action underscore Douglas on Instagram. That's will be the info will be or immediately Facebook also, which will be Antoine Douglas. A-N-T-O-I-N-E-D-O-U-G-L-A-S. What was that uh, Instagram again one time? I'm going to look you up now. Action, A-C-T-I-O-N underscore douglas that's me so you that's like 
authentically me. My birthday pictures as well as my fitness pictures <laughs> as well as my you know, it's not a business account, you know, so I'm all about, you know, authenticity. So you see the real me. And uh so yeah, everything everything will be there. When I when I get the, you know, the brand and everything, you know, the graphics and everything put together and I get those shirts made, everything will be there and also on Facebook. Cool, man. Well, thank you so much for spending uh, spending time on your Friday afternoon to, to come man, on the podcast. Man, and, uh, man, thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah, this was awesome. I, I, I mean, I, what were you saying? I was just going to say, I, I'm pumped. I'm ready to go work out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm ready to do shit now, so thank <laughs> you, man. <laughs> now, see, that? That's look, man, that's all with this for, man. If I could, you know, I if, if I can, look, whatever you guys want, you can have me join more. I love sharing this energy and spreading and, uh, I also told members of the gym they were psyched. I was like, you know, when I get it, I'll get I'll, I'll get the link to it and I'll have it. I'll uh, I'll send it to you guys so you guys can watch it. Like I said, I'm all about shedding, shedding energy, man, and putting smiles on people's faces any way possible. Absolutely, man. Well, uh, I think we're good. So this one was an interesting one. I mean, you know, we've had so many guests in the past who've told us or gave us a window into their world from their childhood. And their upbringing, but the meat of the conversation really focused around their professional development or things that they've done in the world of business. And I think this one, I loved it just because the perspective that it provided was so different. Like I can have the worst day at work, but it probably never comes in close to the worst day that Antoine faced. Just a little dash of perspective and recognizing that, hey, like, Maybe I have the good fortune of going into my work every morning, having a roof over, over my head, having a family that loves me, having the relationships that I do. If that wasn't there, what kind of a void would that leave in my life? So those little small conflicts are just kind of like, I don't know, drop in a bucket, if you will. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's also another part that I take from this as well is just you never know who's going to have a story. So obviously he's like my boxing coach and I don't really, you know, before that I was like, oh, yeah. I remember showing up to class on the first day and I remember him giving me like an exceptionally hard time. And I was like, like why does this guy hate me so much? And like, now when I look back on that, I'm like, no, like he just doesn't, if you're not trying your best, like he's going to push you because that's all he knows. And uh, I mean, I, I remember him literally calling me out like, like I remember him saying that was pathetic once, like actually saying that was pathetic once. And I mean, you know, you, you can get pissed off in the moment cause you're like, who's this guy to be telling you that. But I mean, after you hear his story, like you realize where he's coming from and he, he doesn't have time for excuses. And I think you can kind of also, I mean, one, that's a great point. Don't have excuses, but two also, you know, don't take things at face value. Like always take that kind of as a moment to also dig deeper because someone else might have this incredible story that you just aren't aware of. And there's one quote that I think of specifically is if you're bored in a conversation with someone, it's you, it's not them. It's you're not asking the right questions. You're not getting at the meat of who they are. And Antoine was no exception to that incredible story. And we're better off because we know the guy. So next time we actually have a, uh, another celebrity and a different completely different field. We're ending off this season with a couple uh, wild cards here. We have Tamar. Um, what's Tamar's last name? Green. We have Tamar Green, who, if any of you have seen the show Hamilton, he happens to be Mr. George Washington 
uh, from Hamilton. So we're excited to get that close to a big time celebrity and kind of dive into what it's been like to, to be in his shoes. The Practically Passionate Podcast.